Healthy Relationship Talk Radio with one of the leading relationship coaches and foremost authorities in healthy techniques and relationships. Get practical information on opposite attraction, masculine and feminine energy with proven strategies to avoid major relationship mistakes that push people away instead of together. Oh, did I mention all of this is done through your facial features? Now, here's your relationship coach and host, Daia Six. Hey, you guys, how are you doing? Hello to you all. You guys know I always like to start, you know, the segment with, you know, speaking, you know, hola, como esta usted, <laughs> right? And for all of my friends, you know, bonjour, como allez-vous? <laughs> Yambo for all of my, you know, people that speak Swahili. How are you guys doing? Hello for you English speakers to all of my geniuses out there. Thank you for tuning in to Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio, one of the most talked radio shows dedicated to providing you with love, providing you with relationship compassion, and we cannot forget for women and beauty, all while helping you with empowerment and improving all of that food for that, all, excuse me, all of that food for thought, all of that good stuff, right, you guys? So I am your relationship specialist and host, Daia Six, and today we are joined by our knowledgeable and intelligent, we have a guest today, our uh, relationship coach, Peter Spinagati, and we will talk about his ideologies on why relationships fail and being, um, you know, unhappy in relationships. We are also going to go into the book that he wrote called um, Explaining Unhappiness. And oh, and don't forget also, we will go into our tough love segment and answer a letter that was written. You know that we always have to try to help those in need, right? And then let's see what else we're going to do. Probably a Q&A with Peter. We'll see how everything goes, right? Because anything can like go cray cray. <laughs> but it's all good. And so for those of you who have not yet become a member of Healthy Relationship Talk Radio Facebook group, you are missing out. And let me tell you why, shall I? You guys say, Daya, well, why should I become a member? Well, if you are listening to this segment or any of our radio, any of my radio segments of Healthy Relationship Talk, by being a member, you get to see beforehand every guest that comes on to the show and you also get to um, intervene with me and each guest live, okay? That means you get your questions answered right here during the show. Don't be shy. We are all here to learn from each other. We're all here to expand ourselves. I mean, what are we here for on this earth if we can't do that, all right? So you get to see us live and all of you guys know, y'all know how Facebook works. You get on there, you're live, you intervene, you interact, and it's fun. And guess what? We're all, all, we, excuse me, what's going on with my tongue today, <laughs> you guys? I'm going to tell you, I've been drinking this, um, the Kavita. Does anybody know about the Kavita Sparkling uh, Probiotic? No, they are not my sponsors, but I had the uh, lemon and ginger, and my mouth is like, ah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that it doesn't work, you know, that it works in my 
favor. You know, I, I'm trying to um, get my belly fat down and it's working, you guys. But anyways, let me uh, let me continue. But how cool is that if you intervene on Facebook and, um, you know, everyone is there, you know, you know, the whole group and intervening and learning from each other. OK, but all we ask you to do is, you know, be an adult. We don't have any of that, you know, craziness going on, any bad talk, nothing like that. OK. And um, and if you appreciate the segment, you know, just to show your gratitude, all you have to do is like and share. That's it. That's the only thing we're asking you for. And we're giving you all this information for free. All right. So anyways, it's all good. It is our job to make love go round. Oh, and before I forget, because some people have been asking me, um, well, they've been joining the wrong Facebook group. And I will explain this to you guys. There are two Facebook groups. Okay. The one that you want to join, um, is the one that you want to join is the one that says relationship in capitalized letters. All right. So don't join the one that just says regular, you know, um, healthy relationship talk. Make sure it says healthy relationship in big, bold letters talk radio. All right. So we are getting ready to merge those paper, uh, excuse me, those uh, pages so that there aren't any more, you know, so that people understand exactly where to go and no more confusion. All right. So if you want to join, all you have to do is just boom, come and join and we'll have fun. All right. Now. Before we start the show, we have to give recognition and appreciation to our sponsor. All right. And you know what? I need to know. Is my guest on? Peter, are you there yet? I don't know if Peter is on the phone yet. But anyways, I was going to ask Peter, you guys. Peter is our guest that um, that we will be um that uh, will be coming on to the show. Hopefully we can hurry up and get him on. But um, he is, um, I was going to ask him if he knew anything about pageants because all of you guys know that our sponsor is Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant, right? The only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and, of course, natural beauty, all of that good stuff. Because we know that women in pageants will tend to alter themselves with their hair. You know, uh, some of them will get surgery, you know, and, you know, and I and I found out, too, through a pageant, you know, title holder that there are plenty of women who literally practice skin bleaching and, and there's so much more that goes on behind, you know, closed doors when it comes to these beauty pageants. So Miss Indigenous Beauty Pageant is a pageant glorifying women finally with natural hair and beauty. And we are the first to do it globally. So if you are between the ages of 18 and 30 and you have never been married you have no children and you want to build a platform for your success, you can become a contestant and be part of a new global movement that is changing the societal misconception of beauty. There will be scholarship funding, prizes, gifts. You will learn how to better use your most powerful supply. And when I say most powerful supply. You guys, what am I talking about? I am talking about your beautiful mind. And this isn't just about beauty and competition. It is about creation. And this is why Miss Indigenous are the creators of beauty. So come compete in your natural self while serving your community and making a difference. All right. 
All you have to do is go to MissIndigenous.com and sign up and we will pretty much take it from there. All right. My my uh, my producer, you guys, Karina, you know, she's letting me know that uh, we do have our guest on. So we'll be speaking to him in just a second. But for all you leaders, too, because I need to bring this up. If you have always wanted to be a part of a huge movement that makes a difference, you can come and be a part of the fashion and beauty trailblazers from all over the world while representing your state or your country. We are now accepting directors for the Miss Indigenous Beauty Pageant. So, But remember, there is only one director per state and country unless you are um, unless you are um, business partners. You can't share that responsibility with anyone. OK, you cannot share. So hurry up because space is limited. And lastly, We have not forgotten about our business owners and entrepreneurs. We have great sponsoring packages for you. And you, if you want to help with elevating natural beauty by changing the global genocide that has women abandoning their naturalness, then you can have a marketing opportunity for your company or for your brand, all while helping the awareness of albinism, Alzheimer's, dementia, and cancer, all right? So you can also become a contributor just by donating, all right? (laughs) So anyways, you guys, we do have our guests on Online, finally, Peter Spinagatti. And before we, and you know, he is a life coach, you guys. And we, you know, and before uh, he became a life coach, he was a psychotherapist and marriage counselor for over 30 years. All right. So first of all, Peter, are you there? Did we get you on, Peter? I don't hear him. I don't know if he's on. I don't, you know, we tried to get him. He, They said he is on. Peter, are you there? Can you hear me? Uh, We don't know. We'll have to get him on. We'll get everything taken care of, you guys. But I cannot wait for you guys to actually hear what this man has to say. All right. Because and remember, we're also going to go into our tough love segment. All right. And um, when we go into our tough love segment, I'm going to have Peter kind of uh, help me out with the letter that was written. And uh, we're pretty much, you know, got to, you know, going to go from there. But other than that, um, what we're going to do is. When we come back, we're going to talk to Peter and we're going to go ahead and dig into how he became a life coach, especially after being a psychotherapist and, uh, you know, the wonderful things. And then, oh, yeah. And don't forget, you guys, we're also going to talk about his book that he has. Now, I can't wait for him to um, tell you about the ideologies on why relationships fail and why relationships are in reality these days. Very un happy. And you know what? That kind of makes me think was, was relationships unhappy, you know, 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago, you know, when people were really staying together, you know, what's the difference from then till now? Because people stay together, but I wonder if people stay together together because it was just convenience or were people really in love then? And are we as a society just a little bit dislocated from our spiritual selves and, you know, from, from the knowledge or the, the, uh, should I say the spiritual intelligence that, um, you know, that we were born with, are we not, you know, stand together for those, you know, you know, because we're lacking that. And also, 
you know, what does food have to, you know, how does food play a part of, you know, all of that? But anyways, when we come back, we're going to go into that because I don't know anyone that explains unhappiness. I mean, everybody knows that they're unhappy, but a lot of people don't really know the reason why they are unhappy. So when we come back, we're hoping that we'll have Peter online and then maybe he can pretty much tell us. Stay connected with DIA6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. How much sleep is enough per night? Eight hours? Six hours? Studies show that people who sleep between six and a half and seven and a half hours per night live the longest. But sleep deprivation affects about 27% of U.S. adults. Time magazine released a study showing how sleep and overeating are intertwined. The article cited a report from an American Heart Association conference that showed growing evidence that links healthy weight with getting adequate sleep. It shows that sleep deprivation is associated with overeating. In the study, people who were sleep deprived ate more than 500 additional calories a day. Adequate sleep is important for many reasons, but this research proves that proper sleep is imperative to maintaining a healthy weight. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity and grit she believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery she displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines cultures and cures to her audience in workplaces seminars and salons her mantra is be your own guru she is a biochemist botanist and alchemist who likes to churn delightful useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. All right, you guys, thank you for tuning back. We did finally get Peter on the line. Thank goodness. Peter, hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. How about you? 
I am fantastic. I know that we were. You sound good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And so do you. And I was telling um, our audience that, you know, um, before we, you know, got you on that, you know, there is a tough love segment here that you and I are going to do together. And, you know, sometimes I get letters or sometimes people send me letters on, you know, what they want um, answered. So uh, later on, we'll do some tough love. But first, I want to get into your history. I was letting everybody know how you were a psychotherapist and a marriage counselor for over 30 years. And then you, you know, decided to do life coaching. First, I want to know what gravitate, well, what put you into the uh, field of being a psychotherapist? Well, I was always interested in psychological matters, you know, and I uh-huh. studied formally and informally for many, many years, you know. It just seemed to me there was nothing more interesting than human behavior and human motivation. <laughs> you know what? I feel the same exact way. It's almost like I'm addicted to it. <laughs> yes, it is, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, we're just natural. Well, we are natural-born psychologizers. Yes, yes. That's a nice way of putting it. I like that. That's very tasteful. <laughs> okay. And so when you so when you decided to do that, right, were mm-hmm. you when you got into it, because you know how sometimes people get into, you know, certain fields and they go, oh, my God, this isn't for me. You know what I mean? Yes. When you when you when you decide to go ahead and, um, you know, explore that realm, you know, how did you feel about it? Was it like what did you what would I basically let me rephrase that? What did you love about it? There we go. Well, it seemed to me that there was nothing more interesting to me than human beings and human human behavior. And I thought that by studying the various schools of of psychology, that somehow they had Mm -hmm. something to say. You know, so when you're a young man, you get involved in psychoanalysis, you know, Mm -hmm. the the Freudians and neo-Freudians, you you read about behaviorism and all the various schools. And then eventually you, you, you try to put them all together and make some sense of it, you know. And then when you're yeah. satisfied that you think you come up with a, a very good explanation of what's going on, uh, then you, you say, well, you know, you decide I can help people. <laughs> you know, right. you, 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 you're qualified as far as you're concerned that I think I know enough to help human beings. And that's what I think induces a person to go into this profession. Yep, exactly. That's exactly, you know, when I went to school and I finally got my diploma, I knew it. I said, you know what, I can help people with what I know. And so many of us need help. You know, why not? And it takes someone brave to even believe in themselves to, you know, take those steps forward. Right. Yes. So. uh No. Okay. So what I wanted to ask you also is, so now you left that lifestyle behind because you've done it for 30 years and you decided, you know what, I'm not, I'm done, but I'm not done. So now let me become a life coach. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. True. Yeah. Now this is, now I read some of the things in your book. Okay. First of all, I have to say that I was extremely impressed. I read the first paragraph in your book and I had to take a step back. Now, anytime I have to take a step back from a book, that means I am literally building and I am eating up the information. I have to give it time to digest. And the last time I read a book where I had to do that, I don't know if you're familiar familiar with um, the author Krishnamurti. Are you familiar with Krishnamurti? I don't believe so, no. Okay, you know what? You'll have to look up, but your style of writing is very similar to his. To me, 
So when I had to take a step back and I said, did he just say that? And then I went back and I had to read certain things over and over again so that it is embedded in my brain because the things that you say, you say it differently. So it affects me. You know, it affects me as if I've never heard it before. And that is what was so tasty about your book and your book for all of those that who are listening. Peter has a book called Explaining Unhappiness. Where, Peter, did that title come from? Well, <laughs> it's a very interesting question for you. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Uh, well, in fact, here's how I, here's how I came about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, when you listen to people uh, com- making complaints, regardless of their presenting complaints and whether differently they express their dissatisfactions, yeah, there seemed to be a sort of underlying sameness to what was troubling them. So I started to think about the possibility of there being a maybe a psychological common denominator without which people could not be unhappy. And I think it would be of enormous interest for people to know that I discovered such a psychological common denominator. Yeah. And that's what led to the writing of the book and also led me to become a life coach because I thought by becoming a life coach, I can more efficiently impart what it is I learned as to why people are unhappy. In other words, if the psychological problem happens to be and always, in, in every case, unhappiness, well, then I said, let me, be underst- let me do some exploration. And I did an awful lot of exploration, years, and I finally found out, oh, I see what the common denominator is. Yeah. And that's what led uh, you know, uh, to, uh, to all these, these kinds of things. Mm. So what so do you... Some, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, what do you think the common... Do- what I'm saying is that, is there a psychological common denominator without which people could not be unhappy? And I discovered, yes, there is a psychological common denominator. But look, mm-hmm. whenever you talk to people... Whatever they're complaining about, in effect, they're, they're all unhappy, right? So I'm in the unhappiness business, correct? Mm, right, right. <laughs> we both are. So yes. I can't afford to be. I can't afford to be less than expert on that subject. Right. And so, uh. yeah, I mean, I, this, I mean, it's like a physician. He's in the illness business, you know. So he has to know about yes. medicine, you know. Yeah. And so what happens is, so I, with an enormous amount of reading, search, introspection, and professional experience, I say, well, I think I figured it out. Now, what I'm, I, mean, I don't think we're going to have time to discuss all of it, but what I, what I discovered, uh, I don't want to sell self-congratulatory, but I think it's, it's unlike any explanation of unhappiness you've ever heard before. That, that mm-hmm. sounds like a mouthful, doesn't it? I know. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So someone said, well, what is it? So we say, oh, well, what, well, what's going on? So it starts with this. I'll, I'll run this by you, and you tell me if you agree. Okay. And with psychological, all, well, psychological life have to do with beliefs. One of the smallest guys of the 20th century, Bertrand Russell, once said, believing is the most mental thing we do. Yes. Correct. Yes. Now, somehow, like if you just raise your arm, you can only have done that because you believed, your, uh, you, you know, you believe, for example, your, your head was above your shoulders. Mm-hmm. If you scratched your head, you can only do that because you thought it would be better than not to. I mean, every single thing you do, you could only do because you believed you could do it and that it was better to do and not to do. Now, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's a mouthful. I agree. Yes. If you would take a look at that and say, well, is that true? Like right mm-hmm. now, whatever you are doing, mm-hmm. could you be doing it unless you believed you could do it? And could you do it unless you believed it was better to do than not to do? Right, exactly. I get it. Okay. I get it. Mm-hmm. You got it? Okay. So, yes. so if I just scratched my head, I can only do that because I believed I could. I raised my arm, but I didn't lower it. And I thought that by scratching my head, that would be more comfortable or not. Right. If you were to take that very seriously, well, look at the implications of that. That's a, that's a mouthful. You say, well, let me see. Well, then what exactly do we believe that makes us feel bad? 
what is it going to like what goes on inside our head that maybe we haven't discovered that no matter what the situation is is when we make ourselves unhappy now of course i have to i have to show that that we do make ourselves unhappy and it, it's, it's not caused so i spend a chapter on each one one of those topics you know for example what's the relationship of genes to unhappiness or relationship to the mm-hmm. environment or brain mm-hmm. so i have to settle all those counter arguments i think i've successfully done that so ultimately i come to the conclusion or i show that we make ourselves unhappy although it doesn't seem like we do that but that's an illusion it seems that we don't make ourselves unhappy but in a certain sense we all know that because you wouldn't go to a counselor or a therapist or a coach unless you believe changing one's point of view could make uh, would, would make the difference right 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 yes yes Everybody, yes you would, why would we write a book or talk to anybody unless you believed that right. somehow what changing your belief will make all the difference Mm-hmm, there would be no mm-hmm. point in communicating at all. So You're we all absolutely kind of know right. that. Yeah. Okay. So now we say, okay, well, wow, that's a mouthful. We, we make ourselves unhappy. So now I have to spend time to show how that happens. I'm, I'll give you maybe an example of this, you know. Uh, please stop me anytime you want for you because I'm, I, I'm, I may be on a roll. I don't know. You know what? You are. That's why I'm letting you go. Roll out. Roll out. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Take something like this. Take something like this. Okay. Uh Let's take a negative emotion. Yes. I mean, for example, when we talk about unhappiness, what we're really talking about is unhappy, um, uh, our negative emotions, right? These are all, by definition, unhappy states of mind. Right. So, let's say, for example, let's say somebody comes to me and they say uh, they want to explain how emotion, how jealousy takes place, which I think we would agree is a very, a very unpleasant state of mind. Right. Right. Yes, it is. So, so I'm going to give you an explanation, and I'm offering it as a definitive explanation. You tell me if you agree. Okay. So, when in order for a person to become jealous, what do they have to do? One in of the order... first things they, one of the first things they have to do is to compare themselves to somebody else. Yes, exactly. Right. But, but, but even before that, they have to say. But they have to. This other person is more intelligent, more vivacious. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, 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 right or whatever it is they compare but they do something else but before they do that they had to do something else they had i mean you can compare yourself to somebody else and just and, and admire them that's not a problem right but what a jealous person does is they they compare themselves to somebody else and they feel bad right which means even before they looked at this other person they already had a suspicion that they themselves were not good enough before they even compared and contrasted. Before they even before they even became jealous, they, they were there was something they believed about themselves that predisposed them to become jealous. Mmm, very good. You know what? Do we even think about that? See, we we skip that part and we go straight to the jealousy. I'm listening. Go, Peter. Go. Okay. <laughs> let me let me continue. Okay. All right. So All now right. you say, well, let me see now. So let me see. Now, there's a, there's a wonderful line in Shakespeare's Othello. He says, he has a character say, they are not jealous for the cause, but they are jealous because they are jealous. Now, what, what did Shakespeare have in mind? He said, and he was absolutely right, he said, people are not jealous. What he meant by the cause is what, because of what happens out there in the mm-hmm. external world. They are jealous because they are jealous. By that he means that there's something residing in the head of a jealous person. Okay, we're going to have to, okay, Peter, we're going to have to, we're coming right into a break. We're going to stop right there and we're going to, ah. 
For more information <laughs> yes. on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques, right here on Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. We live in an instant society, and we don't like to wait for anything. When it comes to weight loss, we want that extra weight off now. Even though the temptation is there to try a crash diet, it is not the best choice. You need to lose weight gradually, not instantly. When you cut your calories back too much, you will feel fatigued and have very low energy. Harvard Medical School recommends that women do not go below 1,200 calories a day and men do not go below 1,500 calories per day. A sensible goal is to try to lose a half a pound to a pound a week. Don't skimp on essential nutrients that your body needs. Losing weight does not have to be a dreaded event. It should be positive and will give you extra energy when it's done right. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Attention ladies, have you ever wanted to create a successful platform and a voice for yourself? Do you believe in leadership, diversity, and equality? If you're between the ages of 18 to 30, by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant invites you. Come compete and represent your country in the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty. And the first to do it globally. Teach the world while serving your community. Imagine yourself being the planet's Miss Indigenous. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Go to MissIndigenous.com and apply now. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. Well, I do have to say that I am having a great time, you guys. Right now, we have our guest, Peter Spinagatti. And I'm going to tell you, when I tell you that there is food, you guys, get your pen and paper out and take notes. Actually, don't even get a pen. Get a pencil because you're going to make mistakes. That way you can erase. All right. Peter, before we went into a break, we were, well, you were on a roll and I was eating it up, but you were talking about, you said people are blindsided on how they become jealous. Yes, they think what happens outside, you know, when Shakespeare said they're not jealous for the cause, but I admit there's nothing happening in the external world that causes you to feel bad. They're jealous because they're jealous. By that, he means that there's something residing in the head of the jealous person. And what I'm saying, and I'm just spelling that out. Well, he knew intuitively, I'm spelling out in more detail, he did, well, what's in the head of a jealous person? Well, a belief that they themselves are not good enough, mm-hmm. that they're bad. If you believe that you're at peace with yourself, you can't become jealous. A jealous person can only become jealous because they already doubt their own des- desirability, okay? Yes. So now, here's, so here's what we do. So I say, okay, is that how it happens? You're right. So the relationship of what happens in the external world is not a cause, it's a catalyst. It simply triggers what's already inside your head. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. now, you say, well, is that so? Well, I say, okay, and if you say to me, well, yeah, that's true, jealousy would have to occur that way, and there's really no other way, unless, unless a person decides that they're not good enough, that they're bad, they can't mm-hmm. become jealous. 
Yeah, I agree. Are you agree? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. You you and I can say, you look at it and I look at it and say, yeah, that seems to be true. How else could it happen? Right? Mm -hmm. So we got that. Now, I'm 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 very ambitious. So now I say, well, listen, I've only explained one state of unhappiness. Now, remember, I have a much more, I have a much more ambitious program, right? Yes. What I'm trying to do now is explain the whole nature of unhappiness. Ooh, that's Ooh. Ooh. That just so took gonna, me back. I'm going to tell, tell you how I did it. Okay. You there for me? Yes, I am. Okay. Now, so let's take the situation. Okay. Let's say you have a person at a party. Mm-hmm. She's jealous lady at a party, and she observes her husband talking to this very attractive woman. Uh-oh, right? yes. Mm-hmm. All he's doing is talking to her. Now, she knows she's not good enough, so that she looks at this very attractive woman, and then she starts to feel bad. She starts to get jealous, right? Yes. Now, given that same mindset, in order to produce another emotion, all she'd have to do is switch her focus. Suppose she decides to focus on, for example, on her husband, in which case she will now, she will now experience resentment. Right. Suppose she refocuses again on what people may be thinking about what she's doing, and now she may experience humiliation. Now, you notice, three unhappy states of mind. But only the focus was different, not the cause. The cause was the belief that she is bad. So I say, wow, mm. now let me see, what, what, what could this mean? Now, suppose it turns out that the belief that we are bad prefigures our whole emotional life. Mm-hmm. Suppose it turns out that that belief is the source of all our bad feelings. That would be worth knowing. And if mm-hmm. we could eliminate that, we change our whole emotional life, Right. Yes. Because if you didn't feel, if you didn't believe that you were def- defective or bad, you wouldn't be feeling, you wouldn't be feeling jealousy, you wouldn't be feeling resentment, you wouldn't be feeling humiliation. Mm-hmm. So the folks thought to be is, okay, the culprit seems to be, we believe that there's something about us that's not right. We believe in an effect that we're bad, and that predisposes us to all these other negative emotions. What do you think? That, you know what? That is so tasteful. And you know what? Most of the time, when people are jealous, right, which is an unhappy feeling. Oh, my God. And I'm going to tell you, I don't get jealous very easily. Like, sometimes I say to myself, dang, how does it feel to be jealous? It's very hard for me to kind of get into that mentality because I guess my mother just raised me a certain way. I'm not saying that I've never been jealous in my life, Peter, but it's very hard for me to become jealous of other people. I become happy for them, but not... The reason why you don't experience jealousy is precisely because you're at peace with yourself. It was people I, who are yes. at peace with themselves, who mm-hmm. don't consistently condemn themselves, can experience jealousy. Right. I get it. I get it. I, mean, we, I get we, it. We admire people like that, but, I mean, but we don't feel better because we think they're better than we are. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is there are people out there who are richer than we are. Mm-hmm. Right? There are people who are better looking, more talented. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's all true. Now, the the... the, the, the the question is, though, okay, you've compared yourself to these people. Now, do you feel bad by the comparison? Well, if you don't, you're at peace with yourself. Right, exactly, exactly. Right. And you know what? So let me ask you this, Peter. Yes. You know, because you, cause when we were talking on the phone a couple of days ago, you had explained to me cause and blame. Now, okay. when you said that most of the time when people are looking at other people, there's a cause. And then within that cause, people like, let's say I, let's say I happen to be jealous because my husband is speaking with someone else. Right. In okay. reality, by the end of it, we tend not to like that woman that we are jealous about. And now we blame her. Now, does cause yes. always follow blame? And can you explain cause and blame and why they're not the same? 
or if they are the same? Yeah, but okay, but let, we'll, we'll self-note the first point you made. Look, see, yeah. you blame the, the very attractive lady mm-hmm. for, your, for your jealousy. No, no, she's not, she's not to blame for your jealousy. Right. I mean, the cause of your jealousy is your belief that you don't think you're good enough. You don't think, she's as, you don't think you're as pretty as she is, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Although she ex- may experience the fact that, well, look, if he hadn't been talking to that woman, he wouldn't, I wouldn't have become jealous. And so he, she thinks the cause lies out there with the woman. When the fact yes. of the matter is what, what causes her to become jealous is that she believes she's not good enough. Yeah. So yeah. she blames the woman for being beautiful. She blames the woman for talking to her husband. But who, 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 is, she to bl- who is she really blaming? She's blaming herself because she's blaming herself, she, came, she yeah. comes to the table believing that she's not good enough to begin with. And so she's, she, it's a very big thing. There's a big difference between the cause and the catalyst. She doesn't cause her to become jealous. She simply catalyzes what she already believes about herself. And so failing to understand the distinction between the cause and the catalyst is a very, very big failure. Yeah, cause, a cause is a, you A did B. No, but a, a catalyst means that, that that event triggers something that was already residing in the head of the jealous person. Mm-hmm, yeah. But she experiences it as a cause, and she blames her. Mm-hmm. Are you follow me on this? Yes, I do. I follow you. I do follow you. Let me make a more, more radical statement. Actually, when people blame other people, um, you, um, you can hold people responsible for what they do. <clears throat> I'm not denying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can cause physical damage. I'm not denying that. But... <clears throat> blame is a psychological concept, and what you're saying that your that your bad feeling is, your blame, you're, you're saying that they cause you to feel bad. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. They can only do things that you may not like, and they may be responsible. I'm not copying a plea for these people, but ultimately, no, no. If you're feeling bad, that's something you're doing to yourself. So you can't blame others for that. You can hold them responsible, but you can't say, "But because you did this, you made me unhappy." which is what most people seem to think, but it's really an illusion. I mean, if, my, if a woman says, if he hadn't been talking to that beautiful woman, I would not have become jealous. He blames her, and he blames, and she blames him. And who is she really blaming? Herself. Exactly. She should be blaming herself, God darn it. <laughs> now, some yeah, people... Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, because I mean, should the woman apologize for being beautiful? And she, and the husband wasn't wasn't that he was even flirting with her; he was just talking to her. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And there are, there are a lot of women who don't respond that way, but these are women who are very self self assured. Mm-hmm. These are people mm-hmm. who are confident. Mm-hmm. But you know, but, but I would say most people, I would tend to believe, is uh, are very threatened by that uh, these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no? unfortunately. Yeah, but, you know, how do you intervene? How do you help them? Well, what you have to do. And in every case, um, is that when people do that, you have to get them to see who they are. If this woman starts to realize that she has nothing to, to apologize for, she's at peace, mm-hmm. that she's perfectly comfortable under her own skin, once she does that, she can no longer feel jealous. Yeah. And so, that would be the solution to the problem. So then, what, okay. so, what all, so what does it all come down to? It comes down to this belief that we are bad is the source of all our misery. Okay, so let me ask you this then, Peter. Those that do not believe that they are bad, and I'm just regurgitating what you said, when you're comfortable in your own skin, Mm -hmm. then it's really kind of hard. It becomes a struggle to even 
develop a certain type of jealousy and unhappiness about yourself. Once you, if, once you, if you remove self-contempt, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you remove that from your consciousness, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the external world. They will, things will happen, but you will never get unhappy about what happens because you, these events are not triggering something you believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen people like that. You've, you've observed people who are very, very peaceful, very cheerful, you know. Now, when you see that, you may not have thought about it in these terms, but I assure you, these are people who are completely self-accepting. Okay. Right? A self-accepting yes. person is, is exactly what we're all looking to be, right? And yes, you know, we are. All these problems that people have. I mean, I mean think, of, think about how many times we hear the word self-esteem or mm-hmm. disesteem. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which, which makes the point that most people don't think very highly of themselves. That's why there's so much misery. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? And, yeah. and this is why I tell my customers, my clients, when you are looking for love, when you are looking for someone, you have to make sure that their self-esteem is above average. Because those that who have low self-esteem, those are the ones that are the cheaters. Those are the ones that are the deceivers. Those are the ones that have no integrity, no honor, right? It's a very astute observation, Haya. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. yeah, but mm-hmm. When you marry somebody who's like, uh, going to get involved with a person like that, you know you, you've married yourself into a lot of trouble. Because here's yes. what happens. I mean, look, I mean what, ideally, and this doesn't happen too often, ideally, if you have two people who are at peace with themselves, you can virtually mm-hmm. guarantee the success of that relationship. But that doesn't come up too often. Most people have major reservations, even though they may not state it, about how, how appealing they are. I mean, right. women do it to themselves, men do it to themselves, and all those conflicts you see, we haven't talked about this, but we will at some point, you know, why there's so much conflict between couples. Because mm-hmm. most people, fortunately, have very, very, I mean, low opinions of themselves, and they, they constantly need reaffirmation, re- I mean, or, for example, proof that somehow the other person loves them, and they play these silly games, which they're not even aware of. Which they're not even aware of. And this is where it gets dangerous. We have to continue to be aware and conscious of ourselves. That is always the key. And I want to let everyone know, all of you guys that listen to my radio station, that is the number one element. Like that, that's exactly what I always preach on. Being aware and conscious of yourself. Because if you can't do that, you are not good for anyone else. And it will be destruction. In a minute, we will be right back more with Peter Spinagatti as he go ahead and teach us about unhappiness. Stay connected with Daia 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. for a long time that diamonds are precious or worth a lot of due to rumors. That means money. Did you ever wonder how a polished pebble becomes one of the most expensive things on earth? Two centuries ago, diamonds were worn only by royalty. But in 1870, miners discovered huge deposits of diamonds in South Africa. And soon after, the diamond market was flooded. 
That's when a man named Cecil Rhodes started buying up shares of the diamond mines. 18 years later, Rhodes controlled the entire South African supply of diamonds. He started his own newspaper and magazine articles with clever ad campaigns about cut, clarity, color, and carrot. He also convinced women that they weren't truly engaged to be married without a diamond ring. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Attention, ladies. Would you like to create a platform for your success? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Intelligence, a leader, or trendsetter? What about a queen? Well, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30 by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant is looking for you to come represent your country. It's the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty and the first to do it globally. Come create value a difference while serving your community. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Beat the early bird deadline. Go to www.missindigenous.com. Apply now. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. All right, we are back with Peter. And for those of you that who have missed it, oh my goodness, we had some really good, we had a really good talk, right, Peter? <laughs> I mean, I really do appreciate you really being on the show because, you know, a a lot of people have no idea on, you know, why jealousy exists, why they are unhappy or, you know, anything like that. And unfortunately, I wish I would have had you um, literally on Skype because I really wanted people. I was trying to bring up your picture and to me, no prevail. But um, it is what it is. Yeah, we'll definitely do it next time. And so, but you know what, this is what I wanted to, when I first picked up your book, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when I first picked up your book, one of the things that I read was you said, no one ever says I am making myself unhappy, but that's exactly what we do. <laughs> right? Yeah, so exactly true. Yeah. Nobody ever says that. They go, okay, I'm making myself unhappy. That's why I'm saying people, what, what they do is to say just the opposite. They blame the other person for making them unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and it doesn't help them because as long as you believe that, you're at that behest. You're putting, yourself, you're putting your happiness in the hands of another person. But once you know how they treat you need not produce unhappiness in you. That somehow there's something you're doing in your head inadvertently produce unhappiness. Well, no, the, the control goes back to you. I mean, the example, control. I'll give you a, a classic example. You yes. know, when I was a kid, I was brought up in New York City, and I, my parents were Italian immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, for example, like in those days, uh, uh, there was epithets heralded of Italians. They would call them guineas and wops and dagos, that sort of a thing, you know. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I felt I had to respond to that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if, if anybody ever called me that today, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even pay attention, which means I've grown up. Yes. When you're a kid, 
you know, you, you don't know any better because whatever those whatever those ter- uh, terms signify, that's not me. In other words, the way you get off the hook with these things is what they're saying something about you. You have to ask yourself a question: Does that really apply to me? Once you're convinced that it doesn't apply to you, it dissipates. Oh, there right? we go. Yes, if, if you see yourself as a decent human being and somebody tries to convince you that you're not, well, mm-hmm. how can they do that? What, is their judgment of you superior to your own judgment of yourself? Right, exactly. See, see what I'm saying? Now, there's a way of doing that. There's, I mean, there's, there's got to be some psychologizing going on here. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, and most people, most people believe that other people, look, it's like this. You put a gun in the hands of a person and you, you, and you tell them, listen, uh, don't shoot me. <laughs> But you never right. ask the question, but wait a minute, why did you put the gun in their hands to begin with? Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're in control of it somehow, you know. Now, it takes some doing. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not being simple-minded about this, but at least you have to understand, how, you have to define the problem properly. I mean, changing other people's views of you, I mean, that may be desirable on some level, but that's not the critical issue. You first have to view yourself and be at peace with yourself, then do whatever you want to do. That is the true meat and potatoes. You're, you have to do that. You have to be aware. It's like, you know, hey, Michael Jackson said it, the man in the mirror, right? <laughs> Just to bring him up. It's the man in the mirror, you guys. Oh, my goodness. So can you explain? Because um, did, we, did we explain cause and blame? Did we do that already? Yeah, we did that already. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, here's a good one. Here's, here's one that I want you to answer, Peter. Why is it that insistence is so deadly in a relationship when you are insisting? Why is that deadly in a relationship? I'm glad you raised it because that's a very important thing. Look, see, when you insist that somebody do what they don't want to do, mm-hmm. think about that. You're telling them, Oof. I don't care whether you want to do it or not, do it, which mm-hmm. means that you are a very selfish human being. First of all, if you're already a loving person, you never want anybody to do anything. What you want is for them to want to do it. Right. You want, yeah, because if you're indifferent, because if you say, listen, do it, do it, even though you don't want to do it, it's really an invitation to uh, being unhappy. And that's not a loving act. I mean, we, we look, suppose you and I went to dinner, about to go to dinner. Yeah. And I said, hey, gee, I'd like to have some Chinese food tonight. And you said, yeah, I'm not, in, even something as trivial as this, well, I'm not in the mood. And I say, well, come on, let's do it anyway. That's not a loving act. That isn't a it, loving act. It matters act. to me whether or not you want Chinese food tonight. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want Chinese food, I want you to want to do it. And if, I, and if I can't get that, I'm not interested. I think that's called a loving act, isn't it? Yes, it is called that. <laughs> I know. So, you know. so the idea is insistence, because when you're insisting, you're saying, I don't care what you want. I care about what I want, and whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter to me. You can't get a, a more, more precise definition of selfishness. No, you cannot. Oh, my goodness. And selfishness right? does not belong in relationships. Exactly. Good so there Lord. are people, I'm quite sure you, do, you, you, you conduct your life this way. I know I conduct my life. If ever I do anything with anybody I care about, or anybody for that matter, I, I mean, if I see any resistance on their part, I'm not a, I, would, I wouldn't dream of doing it, not because I'm a nice guy, which I am. It's because, I, I mean, why would I insist you do something you don't want to do? Now what I have, what I have staring in, in my face is a woman or a man who's, saying, who, who, who's unhappy, and I'm saying I don't care. Do it anyway. This is mm. not a loving act. 
No, it's not a loving app. Love right. is absent. Yes, is 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 very absent. Yes. So here, we we we're civilized human beings. I mean, as I so let me repeat it. What we we never want people to do anything. What we want is for them to want to do it. That's it. Yeah, that's the that's the love in it. Yeah, that's the love exactly. in it. And when here's what happens. And when if you if, if if people cave in to this kind of insistence over time, let's say a person does it because they're afraid the other person is going to get upset with them. Over time, here's what happens: you start mm-hmm. building up a resentment, and that resentment will actually hurt the relationship, because if you because if your partner is simply you know uh, uh, insisting you do this, insisting you do that, over time now you feel compelled to do what you really don't want to do. I assure you, that's not going to produce. That's not going to produce or add to your love. Mm-hmm. It's going to produce resentment. And they say resentment is the cousin to cancer. So, <laughs> you know, let's get it together. But you know, and I want to ask you this. You know, when it comes to anger, when you're irritated, when there's annoyance, why do you say that they're not trivial matters? I'll tell you why. Now you notice they all have a they all they all have the same family tree. This is a question of intensity. People yes. anger, annoyance, irritation, right? Yeah. They come from the same family of ideas, but one is more anger is the most intense. Maybe rage might, be, might even be more intense, right? Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm quite sure I've, I've, I, nobody seems to know the answer to this question. So maybe you're one of the anointed ones. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the anointed ones. I love that. <laughs> okay. Right. If I say when you get angry at somebody. Yes. What is what is your immediate intention? Oh, what are what are my intentions when I get mad at someone? Anybody? Yeah, Anybody. to show you my int- What are you doing? What what is your what what do you want to happen? Yeah, what are you my, saying to that other person? Yes, when I get angry, I want yeah. to let that person know how angry I am. That's my that yeah. those are my intentions to show you, hey, I am uncomfortable. I feel that you're causing this pain. I feel that you sh- and I and, and yeah. you know and I say I feel that you should change this so that I can feel better. <laughs> yes, you're, right? you're on track. But like, you know what the okay. immediate thing that you want when you get angry at somebody, you want yeah. putting them down. Oh. Oh, you're putting them down when you get. Wait a minute, Peter. Did you did you just say when you get angry at someone, you are putting them down? Yes, that's just simultaneously exactly. in the movement and 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 the you know and the energetic of I mean the energy of being angry. Yes, and when you get and you when you get put somebody Ooh. down, you're calling them by a name. Usually, you're calling them stupid or inept or something like that. Yeah, and then you, you know. wonder why the conversation is not going to proceed in the way you want it to. If you call, if you start off by calling somebody stupid, how yeah. in the world do you expect that conversation to be uh, successful? Right, so it's exactly. Not trivial, not at all, because you mm-hmm. you can't start off by calling somebody stupid and hope to get a good conversation from that. Oh my goodness, you are so right about that. Oh my gosh! And these are the things that we have to be aware of. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Avalon. Even when you, you know, I mean, suppose you you you're with a partner and that person gets irritated and annoyed on a chronic basis. Well, these are little put downs. Yeah. And that's not going to help the relationship to flourish. No, it's not. It never does. Right. It never does. No, annoyance, yeah. irritation, anger. You do this on a regular basis, or you make faces. It can be quite subtle. But after a while, um, the other person. I mean, really, you're, you're really turning the other person off. Yes, exactly. So when people speak, Peter, 
Mm-hmm. Do they really mm-hmm. know what they want? Well, I, I mentioned it earlier. What they want. Well, first of all, I don't want to stretch it out too long. But first of all, what they want. When we, in the context I spoke about earlier, what they mm-hmm. want is them to want to do something. They don't want people to do anything unless they unless they want to do it. That's what they really want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, so the idea is somehow like. And also, when you talk to somebody, here's what we haven't talked about this, but this will take a little time. But see, when you talk okay. to somebody, yes. uh, you may not be aware of this. You say, well, what is it they really want? Like for example, I'm talking to you right now. So what is my yes. motivation? My yeah. motivation is, well, I'm saying this because I really do want you to agree with me. Right. That's yeah. That's I'm not the yeah. It because I want you to disagree with me, and you're doing the mm-hmm. same thing with me, right? Right. So for example, so that's what people do. Now here's what the problem is, though. But the problem is that people handle disagreements very badly if you don't agree. So, now it, it, it's inevitable that you're not going to agree with everything somebody says. It's impossible. Let's say a man and a woman involved in a relationship, right? So then, then there's no way in the world they're going to agree on everything. So, mm-hmm. so disagreement is inevitable. However, how you handle the disagreement is a solution to a happy marriage, a happy relationship. Right. You've heard the expression. I to disagree agreeably. That's well said. Now, but the question is, how is it that people don't agree disagree? They disagree disagreeably. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what ha- I mean, if you uh-huh. think about all the fights people have, I mean, the phrase that we use all the time is lack of communication. Well, oh, in every yes. troubled marriage I've ever seen, yes. But what, what, so what, if you break that down, what does that mean? Uh-huh. Well, it means that if people agreed, there's not going to be a problem. So all, so all. The problems begin with somebody disagreeing with somebody else. That's not the problem uh, per se, but how you do that is what makes the problem. If you can disagree agreeably, there's no problem. There is never a problem. And you know what we have? We are definitely out of time. We're definitely going to have you back on, Peter. I agree with this message. Do you agree with this message, Peter? Yes. <laughs> So guess what? We got to have you back. Thank you for tuning in to Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio, you guys. Peace and blessings. Mwah. My, my pleasure. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for listening to this week's Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. Join us next week, same time, same place, as Daia continues to give practical tools for simple, healthy, face-to-face relationship living. Call in during the Q&A, and don't forget to send in your pictures at www.facingrelationships.com.